Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke in the Virtual. We're back again. Back, and then we'll go again, and we're back, and we then should, we're going to go again. We should be back next weekend. And, of course, we came back. We came back, and, and I was really hoping that, like, I think for the first time in two years, we'd be able to watch Imola. Yeah, it didn't happen. Well, okay, they had a little rain. They had more than a little rain. They had a lot of rain. So, you know, it's not <clears throat> my fault you didn't get to watch Emma. No, I, w- I was not saying it was your fault at no, all. Normally, it's my fault. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Because we have other things to talk about. So it turns out, I I did not realize this, but it turns out that... After all of this time that Red Bull had been poaching talent from Mercedes, Mercedes has poached talent from Red Bull. Good talent? Not Max Verstappen. Well, who wants him? Not Adrian Newey. They managed to poach the former chief operating officer of Red Bull Formula One, Jane Poole. Okay. Oh, and she's also the HR. She was the HR director. So she would know everybody's salary to know what it would take to poach them over. Maybe. She'd know who the performers are. So she's been hired by Mercedes as a new special advisor. Sounds like poaching talent 101. So, well, her her role, according to Autosport, is to evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of the current infrastructure at Mercedes and offer advice on where improvements could be made. Now, let me again go back. She is the former chief operating officer and HR director. Uh Uh-huh. And they hired her to evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of the current infrastructure at Mercedes and offer advice on where improvements could be made. I want this job. But you're not a former HR director, and you're bad with people. I want, I, I, <laughs> I want to be the special advisor to say, yeah, you should be doing that better. You need. I mean, how? What does she do all day? She wanders okay. around with her coffee mug and says, "You guys need to make better coffee." Number one, because I have to wander around with my coffee mug, and she says, "Hey, yeah, you guys need to do better. Make car go faster." No, no, no. That's what Toto says. <laughs> Oh, no, listen, you saw the movie Office Space just like I did. She is the Bobs. Well, that's, I, I could go for that job at Mercedes. Um, I would happily be the Bobs. But now, we do not want to talk about Michael Bolton. <laughs> no, not that Michael <laughs> Bolton either. Um, no, You've had opportunities to be the Bobs, and you said, I don't want to be the Bobs. So, no, no you I don't want to be a Bob. I have not had the opportunity to be the Bobs, especially at Mercedes. You uh, Okay, you're just fascinated by doing it at Mercedes, not actually being <clears throat> the Bobs. Okay. I would like to be a consultant that really doesn't have a real job at Mercedes. <laughs> okay, this has been your life's goal for a long time, to be a consultant that doesn't have a real job. Full stop. End of sentence that has a period at the end of it. I I was thinking just general burden on society. Well, but, that you, know. you already are. You're a burden on somebody. <laughs> Speaking of burdens. Speaking of burdens? <laughs> Speaking of burdens. I, that, that's a 
I, I was I would not call either Martin Brundle or Jackie Stewart. I fear that Martin Brundle was concerned that he was going to be a burden to Jackie Stewart. So they're they're very good friends, and you know, in our last show, we <laughs> talked about the epic moment, the latest epic moment from an American gridwalk by by Martin Brundle, which he does have epic gridwalks in America. And for the record. Martin Brundle, he's been doing these for 26 years now. He hates doing them. And yet they keep making him do they them. keep making him do them. Because he's epically good at them. Well. And really and truly, it's the sub-commentary that really makes it. It's not the interviews. It's not the running yeah. down the grid to go talk to somebody. It's the getting snubbed and the snarky comment that he makes when that happens that is oh, outstanding. Come on. Nothing is better than in the bad years of McLaren, David Cothar getting snubbed. <laughs> oh, there was that. And now I have to go find that. Yeah, well. Timo Glock, ex-Grand Prix driver there making his way. So maybe we'll just give the last few seconds here to Eric Boulier, if we may. Eric, small uh, word? No? Okay, well, they've been doing so much winning this year, they don't need the publicity. So we'll let Eric uh, make his way to the front of the grid. And the last thing you want to do is get any airtime for your sponsors. Okay, so Martin probably had a little heartburn after the Jackie Stewart incident at Miami. Well, so Martin recounted his feelings around this um, in Sky Sports' F1 podcast. Um, and, you know, talking about Jackie, he said, what a legend, 83 years old. I happened to come across him at the front of that rope. It was like trying to get into a dodgy nightclub, wasn't it? The pair of us. We had no chance. We had the wrong dress code or something. I find the whole procedure a little bit weird on the grid. There were so many people around, and I particularly wanted to talk to Roger as I got to the front there. I just happened to say that to Jackie, and he was like, do you want to talk to him then? And I said, yeah, well, I'll go get him. I'll get him. He jumps under the rope, and now there's three people running after him. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've just got Jackie Stewart thrown out of this place. We've both been thrown out of better places than that. It was hilarious, really. Then I started to panic a little bit. If I'm honest, he's 83. I don't need him over there risking himself just for an interview. He was great. That's a true mate, isn't it? When you go, they go the extra mile for you like that. <laughs> you know... <clears throat> Often in our lives, you have these measures of what makes a real friend. You know, there's the old joke that, you know, a a real friend will help you bury the body. Um, But honestly, jumping the rope line at 83 years old and dodging multiple security guards just for an interview, that might top burying the body. (laughs) Well, so so he he goes on even further because we knew if you were listening, you could hear Martin was running out of time on that live shot. Yeah, we're getting ready to end it, and he goes, you know, he was having what we call a hard count into throwing to the presentation. It's sort of non-negotiable. Now I'm watching security guards, Roger Federer, then George Russell gets involved trying to explain what's going on, and it's Sir Jackie Stewart. I see this negotiation going on over there. Literally, my count in my ear just finishes as Federer turns around and walks over, escorted by Sir Jackie. So I think I've got to talk to him now. I think we got away with it somehow. (laughs) (laughs) 
you you, <coughs> you could see that going on that you know he's like if he gets him and i'm run out of time what do i do yeah and martin says while he has seen the video of this incident because it was up on social media um he doesn't watch the full grid walk in 26 years he has never watched all of them well that's probably wise well you know it might feel a little cringy well i mean a lot of people don't like to watch themselves on on tv or in movies and stuff like that and i could yeah. understand that and he does so much of it on the fly I, he's brilliant at it it is phenomenal to watch him do it i get that he hates them but don't ever stop and there are people who are really good at the grid walks and people who need to be kept out of them oh yeah and you you certainly miss martin when he's not doing that grid walk i i will say i think david cothard was fantastic when he was doing it we used to talk about how great it was when it was david cothard and mark weber doing that great walk oh that was fun i'm really disappointed that we have not gotten a david cothard jensen button grid walk i could imagine that that would also be epically good it's good when they know the drivers and i think Mm -hmm. that if i've put anything together as to what the secret formula is the best grid walks are really done with former drivers yeah. But not all former drivers do good grid walks because Nico Rosberg sucked. Did he do it? He tried. It was bad. It was so bad. Because he has no questions. There's no well, depth there. Yeah, well. And it always surprises me because he's well-educated. He's incredibly well-educated, but he's got really, well. There's he, no depth. He, he's got the Euro trash personality. It's like he comes off as he's trying too hard. Uh, maybe I, I think that that's it like he thinks he knows what he wants to do and i think there's something about martin and david cothard's persona that they don't come off as like they're trying they're just having a chat yeah and nico's not just having a chat he's <clears throat> trying to get an interview and it doesn't read well but those other fun drivers jensen mark mm-hmm. they just they you think they might as well have a beer with these guys. I mean, that's kind of the approach that works. So we, we, I, I just had to bring it up because it was an epic moment and Martin's still talking about it. Well, because it was epic. So, and, and I got to make sure I get it right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Take a deep breath, throw your head yeah. back, get all the oxygen. This week was supposed to be the Formula One Cutter Airways, Grand Premio de Made in Italy, Del Emilia Romana, Banana Romana, Fofana, <laughs> Fifi, Fofana, Fifi Grand Prix. I think you got a few extra syllables in there. Oh. There was no extra Fifi in there. <laughs> oh, there was just There's the one. one. <laughs> <laughs> right after the Banana Rama, you only had to do Fifi one time. Oh. And then. Yeah, otherwise... You I, well, I was on a roll, man. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Is it the <clears throat> longest Grand Prix name that we've got? Yes. By a lot. Okay. By a lot. <clears throat> and I, I don't knock the Emilia Romana part. I mean, that is the region it's in. But we had to call it the Made in Italy. And we now had to add a sponsor on top of it. Yeah. Who has their own race. So what the hell? 
and well, they're one of the Formula One title sponsors on top of it. So yeah. they're yeah. yeah. So it was supposed to be that, and Formula One going into Tuesday, um, they were fairly insistent they were still going to hold the race. So the Emilia Romagna region of Italy as a whole has been having um, some fairly significant rain events for the last couple of weeks. Honestly, it it's the rain version of what California went through this winter with all the snow. Mm. It's been that constant chain of, of rain cycling through the region. Initially, it had looked like that they were going to be dry for that week and they were in a hole. And it looked like, I think a couple of days before Formula One had, had or the, the week of the race, a couple of days before that, things had dried out a little bit. So it was looking promising. They were really kind of hopeful. The weather started to turn again, but because they had gotten so much rain, the rivers hadn't gone down a whole lot either. They were already dealing with flooding issues. So when the rain rolled in on Tuesday, again, initial reports were that they were going to hold the race, um, but the rivers rose enough that they closed the pit lanes. Um, They actually, on Wednesday morning, before they had called the race, they had told all track personnel, including the media, to stay away from the track on Wednesday. And a few hours afterwards, as the river continued to rise, and I guess the river runs either along the track or through part of the track, um, as it started to rise, they realized that this was not going to be salvageable. Um, And sure enough, by Wednesday afternoon, it sounds like the F2 paddock and the TV and media center were submerged. Mm. And at that point, they made the decision to call the race. Um, I applaud F1 for doing that. Um, I'm very happy that we did not have a repeat of Australia with the teams going, but the Formula One paddock is dry and we can race, so let's go race because we're racers. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that they listened to the calls from the local officials to scrub the race and they looked at the condition of the, the rest of the track and said, this is really a bad idea. Um, so they made the decision to, to call the race. There's some knock-on issues, but before we get to that, a couple of things that I think are really worth noting. Um, Fonzie, Italy is not far away. That's the home of the Alpha Tori team. They were, and, and Fonzie is in the, the region, the general Emilia-Romana region, as is Bologna and I think even... Uh, Ferrari and Marinello was part of the same region, but Fonzia got hit with the flooding. Mm-hmm. Yuki and several members, if not the entire team, uh, assisted with the efforts to clean up from the flooding in Fonzia. Wow. Yeah. Nice to hear. And I think Pierre did as well. Definitely no Yuki was involved in that because um, the team released pictures. Yuki didn't. The team did. Aww. Um so there was that um formula one as a whole uh donated donated a million euros to the region um including the food that was purchased for the event uh to help victims from the flooding to help in the recovery efforts um and ferrari did the same nice yeah um for ticket holders a couple of important things um 
Formula One and the organizers have already announced that they will be refunded, full refund for the weekend. Um, in addition, because the race was canceled due to weather and the event was not held at all, they don't have to pay the, the uh, event fee to Formula oh. One, which of course makes it easier to refund the tickets. Right. That's the big difference between this event and what happened in Spa two years ago. Because they didn't cancel the race, even though they couldn't hold the race, they didn't actually cancel the race, so they still had to pay the fees. Oh wow! Yeah, that that's rough. So now that we've gotten to the end of the weekend, Formula One has cleared uh, the teams and the local officials. It's not just Formula One saying go ahead; the local officials did too. Um, <clears throat> They have cleared the teams to return to the track to pack everything up to move everything to Monaco. Mm-hmm. Kind of important. There are some 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 important bits that need to go from race to race to race. Um, it's also my understanding, by the way, that Formulino, the track cat at uh, Imola, is just fine. Oh, good. I was worried. I was wondering about it. We got an update from ESPN. Good. They have confirmed he is doing okay. Um, but... Teams were allowed back at the circuit to pack, break down and ship equipment. Still, you know, some questions here. Mm-hmm. The biggest one, the first one that you got to wonder about was Imola was the race that a lot of teams were targeting bringing upgrades to. Start of the European season, mm-hmm. that was the plan. The th- Imola being an actual track, it was the best opportunity or the first opportunity of the European season for teams to get some some valuable data as to whether or not their aerodynamic plans are going to work and their upgrade plans are going to work. That's now off the table. Well, yeah, but there'll <clears throat> be another race to bring those to. There there will be. Um, but the next race is Monaco. Well, I, I another other race. Yeah. Um, Mercedes, however, has come out and said that they are taking the planned upgrades for Imola, they will be running them in Monaco. Interesting. And, you know, acknowledging the fact that they're not going to get great data out of it and and effectiveness, but there's two key issues here. One is the simple fact that part of the reason why um, they've had the issue, or the, the drivers are upset with the car, is they don't feel that they're confident with it under under braking and under heavy steering. Well, that has Monaco. There so. you go. So there's a thought that that at least some of these upgrades should address that. So they want to bring it to Monaco anyway. The other reason why is this is unlike what we normally see from upgrades from teams, where it's just you know let's bring a new wing or a couple of extra fins or something like that. This is supposed to be a full-on redesign of the side pod. Now, it's still the zero side pod design, but a different design of the side pod and some other integral bits of the car. So it's not like they just took the car that they had in Miami and slapped on some new pieces and said, let's go. Mm. There are some fundamental changes in the design of this car. This may even have a new chassis on top of changes to the floor and something and, and nose pieces. So, that car got shipped to Imola. Oh. So 
what they would be looking to do because you know the plan was run in Imola, then take it to Monaco, run it in Monaco, then and, and and iterate from there. If they had decided not to run this car in Monaco, that means you've got to get the car from Miami that you hadn't been planning on racing, get it to Monaco. Oh, that's true. Pack it all back up. And that's assuming that knowing that they weren't going to bring it to Imola in the first place, they didn't load that car into the sea shipping containers as opposed to the air freight containers. Yeah. I mean, Lord only knows where the car that they ran in Miami actually is right now. I'm assuming in a skip on the edge of the Everglades. (laughs) It is now a house for Charlie the Alligator. Actually, you know what they probably did? They probably gave it to the Miami Dolphins. It's hanging from a ceiling somewhere in the stadium. (laughs) It's a new display piece. I don't know about that. I mean... I don't, I wouldn't. Well, you know, okay. But, so Mercedes is kind of, you know, they they don't really have a choice. The other risk to bringing upgrades to Monaco is that with it being as tight as it is, there's a significantly increased chance of damage to those upgrades. And And often those are only, those are one-offs until they have proven themselves. Right. Oh, yeah. This will be fun. So, and and a lot of the other teams, they have not figured out, or they, at least they have not announced whether or not they're going to bring the upgrades that they had planned for Imola to Monaco yet, or they may just hold off to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And it is really odd to say to be talking about Monaco before Barcelona. I know. Um, there was also supposed to be this weekend a tire test. No, that's not happening. Not just a tire test. And I had forgotten about this. We talked about it at the start of the season. There was supposed to be a test in the changes to the tire allocation rules for the weekend that would have impacted qualifying. Right. That's not happening now. So the next one that, that those happen, at least for the test of those rules, is going to be Hungary. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but... That whole thing is is pushed off. We don't know how this will influence gearbox and engine allocations. And we already lost China. Now this is the second race that we've lost. How that will work. And, and you know, I should be clear here. There is absolute, well, I won't say absolutely. There is almost no chance that this race will be rescheduled later in the season. There's no room in the calendar. Right. And, you know, let, let, let's talk about the calendar for a second here. Okay. So this is what? The third year that Formula One has tried and failed at the 24 race calendar. You think somebody would be telling them something at this point? Well, there's that of, could we maybe finally give up on this idea? But the other thing is... We've had two races drop out, and because of the the juggling that they've tried to do to get us this calendar, we had a three-week gap of no racing Mm -hmm. early in the season. We now have this gap here created by 
Um, and we were supposed to have a bunch of back-to-backs here, but we had this big gap here, and there is no room in the calendar to reschedule this race. It's gone. If we had had a 21 race season, they could have spread things out better. And they could have had a chance to, all right, we'll slot in a, a, a back-to-back weekend so that we could make this up at some point. But it's gone now. Yeah. And water is wet. Yeah, I know. I, I, it, 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 I hear your frustration. I get it. I think that people should probably take the, we can't seem to pull off a 24 race season. Maybe that's an indication that we can't pull off a 24 race season. But unfortunately, they're going to claim COVID and they're going to claim this and they're going to claim that. And they're not going to see how hard a 24 race season really is. And they have yet to be able to pull it together. So yeah. I don't know. I still hold that really and truly, I get the idea of having more tracks and more options, but I think they need to go to a rotating schedule where we don't go to all the tracks every year. Instead of 24 races, do 20 where we have 10 stock tracks, 10 tracks we go to every year and 10 that rotate out. So maybe we go to Emila every other year, every third year, but that brings with it the element of unpredictability which Mm -hmm. is critical to good racing and they forget that they want to do all of these other things like sprint races and reverse grids and whatnot to force good racing but they forget the unpredictability element that is so easy to do well the the other thing though is as much as we try and shy away from this idea of we need to do stuff to improve the show Mm mm-hmm I'm okay with improving the show means it's a new track that folks aren't experienced with as opposed to something artificial. Well, that's the thing is that's not artificial. Yeah. That's called we don't have learning. So we mm-hmm. don't have all the data here, which makes it unpredictable and naturally unpredictable, <clears throat> not sprinklers on the side of the track, Bernie. Yeah. Um, so couple other things that we don't know and and this one is a really big one how is this going to impact the cost cap well my theory is it shouldn't because they would have had to have spent like they were at that race the only things that they could have possibly saved by not having that race is fuel like consumables during the race Mm -hmm. but the food got purchased the food you know then got distributed around but everything got spent Maybe some labor costs because they didn't, you know, they weren't paying for hotels or whatnot. But all the pre-stuff got spent. So they've spent that money. Yes and no. They, they, they've they spent some portion of it. We, we know that. But other pieces of it, they haven't. I mean, you're, you're right. There are consumables, whether it's fuel, whether it's lubricants tools parts whatever yeah they may have shipped them there but if they didn't use them that's unrecognized costs Mm -hmm. do they make adjustments to the cost cap or not because of it my vote would be no just because i get fuels expensive but probably in the grand scheme of things if you look at a hundred percent of the costs for that weekend they've probably pre-spent 
or in the shipping and all of that stuff spent 60 to 70 percent of it so well okay but i mean total wolf's own words is that you know if you're at risk of overshooting your cost cap every ten thousand pounds counts oh yeah and this could be a weekend that teams could see 40 to 50,000 pounds of expected savings by not running those cars. Okay, in Grand Prix terms, this weekend is running behind a safety car. That's exactly what this is. But I don't know if it is. Because again, they didn't run. You, you, you're not taking on the expense of your telecoms. You're not taking on full expense of setting... Because they didn't fully set up the paddocks, you don't have the expense of... Do, yes, you shipped all the stuff there, but you never set it up. No, what you're missing is during a race, one of the things <clears throat> like we start having to run behind a safety car, one of the things that the pundits all talk about mm-hmm. is the fuel savings and the, right. the tire savings and the fact that they get extra laps that are unexpected as bonus, basically, because that's not part of the original plan. It, safety cars it, throw wrenches in that. That's what this weekend winds up being to the cost cap. It is, yes, it's potentially 40 50,000 pounds they didn't have to spend that they had been planning on spending but much like running behind a safety car you don't they don't change the fuel load that's required you know the fuel minimum in the car because they ran behind the safety car that's my point so i've got an update from the financial regulations and and the concern here in, in, in a little more detail on the cost cap and how it works. So it's based on the number of races in a season. So it, losing this race could be a problem if you're right on the limit. So teams get $135 million for 21 races and an extra $1.2 million for each extra race beyond that. So a 23-race calendar that had Imola on the schedule was worth 137.4 million where if we were at a 22 race calendar the cost ca- the cost cap would be at 136.2 million however and this is the clarification as apparently the financial regulation state that a race will be counted for the final tally if it is canceled less than three months prior to the proposed start of the competition so cost but that's important to note because China didn't count. Because they canceled it early. Well, they canceled it far enough, early enough mm-hmm. that the cost cap adjusted. Correct. Yeah. Now, the last thing is what kind of impact this is going to have on the price fund in general. Now, that's a bigger problem. That is. Um the promotion fee that the race promoters were supposed to pay out um, that was waived was 20, somewhere in the area of $20 million. Um, but the other piece is we don't know what happened with broadcast money as well. Because I'm, I'm assuming that the broadcast rights, nobody had to pay for this weekend. Mm-hmm. So that impacts it too. And it all depends on how the deals are structured because if it's 
you know, you, you pay X number of dollars for the whole season, mm-hmm. regardless of the number of races. You pay that much for the whole season. Um, and that may not change the broadcast pieces. There may not be a stipulation again for something that has been canceled so close. It may not have a stipulation for such things. And it could have a stipulation for those things. We just don't know. But I think the dilution, there's going to be an effect on the uh, prize fund for nothing less than the promotion fee. If you have no other changes, if everything else stayed constant, Mm -hmm. which is probably unlikely, you will lose that 20 million euro promotion fee. So other news. Mm Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot this week, obviously, with, with the race being shut down. However, Pirelli announced that they will be um, introducing a new tire construction from Silverstone on. So these are supposed to be more durable than what they've had because the teams are... And I know it seems odd to say this, given, given how the season has gone... But apparently the teams have found additional performance that's putting additional stress on the tires. So Pirelli has decided that they need to change the construction of the tires. Just the construction, not the compounds. Okay. So that they're more durable. Okay. This, I think, is the first time that we've seen, and it's Pirelli, not the teams, but we've seen Pirelli introduce a new construction of the tire during the season that wasn't being done on safety grounds. Interesting. Unless, is there an undercurrent that because they're finding additional performance, um, that they need more durability <clears throat> because it could become a safety issue? That could be, but it, it, it's not the driving reason. You know, in, in the past, we have seen the, we're concerned that the tires aren't durable enough. They're blo- we're, we're seeing a lot of incidents because of tire blowouts. We're seeing evidence that the tires are not holding up there's more graining and marble and it's causing problems we're not hearing any of that that we have heard every other time that something like this has come up interesting interesting so the rumor mill's been going lately naturally they don't have anything else to talk about apparently daniel ricardo was at alpha Torre's factory in fonzia um probably holding a mop Besides that, he got a seat fitting. Oh. That has um, spurred some talk that possibly uh, Nick DeVries' position with the team could be in trouble. Oh. So Nick has underperformed. Okay. Which is putting it mildly. Um, He has... Um, well, his best result of the season has been 14th in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. He crashed out in Australia and Baku, came home 18th in Miami, and that was after he ran into Lando Norris. Um, so, Franz Toast is saying that, you know, they, they've still got faith in him. He's, he's learning. But everyone said that Nick does not look like he is comfortable in this car. Mm. Um, he doesn't look like he's got any confidence out there. And it's not a situation that's getting better. Um, Yuki is obviously showing him up pretty drastically. Yuki's gotten a couple of points already this season. Nick's nowhere close to him. Right. So that's... Which is stunning because we didn't think Yuki was going to last. We didn't. Um, 
we we thought that his incidents were going to be a problem, but he is he's calmed down a bit, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but this being the Red Bull family, and we know that the Red Bull family does not put up with poor performance unless you're a certain Russian. Well, yeah. Then apparently you can get fired twice and still be brought back. I think he finally got fired, fired. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there, there's talk that, that Yuki could, I mean, that's not Yuki, Night. that that, that Nick, Nick could be on his way out the door. But that's the, the I guess, the freedom that right now AlphaTauri have is that Daniel Ricardo is available. Right. But, I mean, how how much would that suck if he gets pulled back into AlphaTauri? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, your heart kind of has to break for, for Daniel at that point. But he, he knew that that was a risk. Mm-hmm. And our last story. I mean, it's a short show since we, we didn't have a race. Mm-hmm. But our, our last story, the final hurdle for Shanghai to host an event, even though they were supposed to have one this year, has been cleared and they have gotten their grade one certification license back. Oh, good. So apparently they had a three-year license, which is common. You, you have to recertify every three years. Theirs expired in 2019. Okay. Or, or the last year of validity was 2019. We all know what happened at the start of 2020. Right. As a result, it didn't get renewed. It has not been renewed. They have done some work, including, of all things, they repainted the tunnels under the track. Oh, well, that was important. No, apparently that was needed in order to get the certificate, their certification. I don't understand how. Maybe it makes it brighter. I don't know. So they can see it's a safety issue. Yeah. But... Shanghai has gotten their grade one license and appear to be well on the way to returning to the calendar in 2024. That would be awesome if it doesn't get canceled yet again. (laughs) You know, it would kind of be a new track here. Yeah. I mean, we have not been there since 2019. There's a lot of drivers who haven't driven on it, and we certainly haven't seen this generation of cars on it. Exactly. Unpredictability. So that would meet my criteria. That would definitely meet my criteria to have new, new ish tracks um, appear on the calendar. Now, you know, you could, I could trade that off for Paul Ricard in a heartbeat. I. Yeah. The only. So. I, I think China has, has put on better races than, because China isn't a car park mm-hmm. compared to Paul Ricard. Or, I mean, technically Paul Ricard isn't either. But it's flat, it's boring, it's dull. It's, it's well-painted. Swath, vast swaths of asphalt. It's well-painted. My hope is that this newer generation of cars will be interesting in China. That would be fun. China and Malaysia, I think, could be really interesting with this generation of cars. I miss Malaysia. Yeah. 
I would rather so you know if we we played fantasy tracks you know what would be our fantasy calendar I'd get rid of Bahrain and Saudi and Qatar and Azerbaijan actually I could see Malaysia we see that same DRS trick that we've seen go on in Malaysia with the the cars you have that first really long straight which is a big DRS zone. Somebody gets past going into that hairpin turn, and then you get on that that second long straight, and it's a repass to mm-hmm. go up to the front. Over, I, I could see, I could see Malaysia generating that. Yeah, where you give up the first pass so that you have mm-hmm. DRS in the second. Um, be exciting to watch, though. It would be. It would be. So let's see. We've gotten rid of four tracks. We've added back in Shanghai and Malaysia. Where else would you add back in? You got um, two tracks you got to add back in. Hockenheim? Actually, I think Turkey. Turkey. Turkey, I thought, was a pretty decent race. Now, I don't know if that's because it was so slick or what, but I, I would go. I would. I mean, the problem is Turkey's just as bad as going to Bahrain or Saudi Arabia, especially right now. That's, from a track perspective, I would rather the track. From a location perspective, yeah, I'd rather, but I wouldn't want to go to China for the same reasons. Oh, there's that too. But again, we we don't race as one anymore. <laughs> we race as some number other than one. Yeah. All right, and on that note. We'll call it a show. Okay, look, I'm just going to give the last five seconds. We've got 30 seconds to the national anthem. Toto, you're looking chilled, excited for the race. You haven't touched my sweaty hands. They are a little bit sweaty, actually, aren't they? Okay, well, that was a wonderful experience. Thanks for that. Have a great race this afternoon. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay. Whew.